1: Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming.
2: What's up, Dan and the Ascend community? This is Dan Anello. I'm listening to the podcast from Ottawa, Ontario in Canada. So I want to let you guys know that I love everything that you're doing. I enjoy listening to the podcast while I'm on my way to work, while I'm at work writing computer programming, while the podcast rewrites my own subconscious programming. It's all been enjoyable. It's all been amazing work. Thank you guys so much for everything that you do. Don't ever stop, Dan. Love it. Thanks. Yo, 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 people. How's it going? Feels like it's been a long time. Only been a couple of weeks, but feels like a long time. So glad to be back and recording these podcasts and putting them out for you all. And thank you so much for that little message there from Dan from Canada. Really means a lot. Such a cool message. Thanks so much. Also received your individual email as well, which I thought was really cool. Thank you for all the kind words. And all your other emails when you reach out as well means a lot. If you also want to send a little audio snippet over like Dan did at the beginning of the podcast there all you need to do is just send them over to my email which can be found on the Ascend podcast website you can also send them over through the Facebook page or wherever else else you want to and I just wanted to speak a bit about my time away as I had a as prior to this podcast I had a couple of weeks off just to sort of recharge and re, reboot my batteries sort of say and A week of being away, I was at a self-sustainable farm in the southwest of Portugal. It was really great to sort of get back to the roots of nature and really gain some great introspection and insight into what it really takes to sort of start a self-sustainable farm or even just get a bit of land and see how it takes to grow your own foods and what it can do for you, the benefits of it, what the richness can provide. And the environment that I immersed myself in really really did provide that and it gave us a great insight so I'm really grateful for the time and the hosts there as well were amazing, had such an amazing time, the people in Portugal are incredible and the hospitality is second to none, amazing people and amazing culture. In the second week as well in Greece was very much the same, amazing people and amazing culture again, everywhere I go around the world there's so many amazing people. So anyway it's really glad to be back. And some of the podcasts coming up in the near future on this thing are going to be very incredible. And some of the conversations are know for a fact you're going to love. I literally just got back off the plane a few days ago and then I headed down to Surrey to record two podcast conversations. One with a guy who used to live, who used to, not live, sorry, but who used to, well, yeah, he definitely used to live, but somebody who used to be in, be in prison committed a few crimes he was a drug dealer and now he's gone all the way from a drug dealer to basically a healer and he's such a he's got such a fascinating story and a very relatable chap as well with a lot of humor and we had a great conversation on that one i know also spoke to a very interesting young lady called clara who's doing some very interesting stuff in the world speaking about spirituality and doing it in a very relatable way for a lot of young people so we had another fun conversation there and that was just recorded the other night As I mentioned in other times, I've got David Ike coming up, Graham Hancock coming up and many others too. So this jam packed podcast coming up and I cannot wait to share share them all with you. These conversations are really heating up and I do really feel that when I'm having these conversations now, the richness of these conversations are really getting better and better. And I feel like myself is improving as well, just in general, having these conversations. I just wanted to mention as well there's a new Patreon feature which is honestly absolutely amazing it's even amazing for myself because some of the things I want to do for my own self on a selfish and from a selfish point of view because and what I mean by that is is the this new feature that has come up is basically a, a url that you can add to any to your podcast app so basically what it is is when you become a patron you get access to an rs feed just like when you listen to this podcast now it's automatically on your phone and you can just the, the episodes just automatically automatically come up on your phone you do down, download the episodes this is basically the same but all you need to do is when you become a patron every single person gets an individual url you just go to your podcast app whatever podcast app you use whether it's itunes podbean stitcher there's many out there all you need to do is just basically in your podcast app there will be a little add button and you can add it your own individual url and basically that's all it'll do is just add a feed very similar to what the podcast does now and you once you do it once you'll never have to worry about it again And every single time i record a, a patreon bonus podcast that will automatically come up just like it does for regular episodes on the podcast so that's really cool and it gives an extra dimension i have some really good ideas what i want to do to that and in that Patreon bonus as well, since that is that function now does that way, it just comes up in your normal podcast app feed. I'm, I was actually thinking about adding some bonuses, and this is what I was on about with my own selfish needs, because some of the things that I've been wanting to do, I listen to a lot of podcasts just like yourselves, and when I'm walking around, there's not many podcasts out there that do full lectures on Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna and put some cool music behind them. And from time to time, I love to listen to stuff like that and expand my mind so what i'm going to also do as well as putting bonus podcasts in the patreon feed i'm also going to create some great soundtracks with alan watts over the top or Terrence mckenna or other great speakers of the time and i'm going to put them on the patreon feed as well so that me myself can listen to them and also you can listen to them as well so just gives an added bonus as well as, as well as podcasts so that will be cool anyway and let us know as well what other speakers what other talk if if in the from patreon members what sort of speakers you want to hear if you want to hear terence mckenna if you want to hear other people like elon musk or whatever i'll put some cool sounds over and i'll put them in the private patreon page group so anyway this week on the podcast i i did this conversation just before i headed away for two weeks and this one was actually the the probably the 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 most easiest traveling distance I've ever done. It was a guy called Professor Richard Bauer and he is based in Durham which is not far from where I'm currently based and he's a professor of cosmology at Durham University and his main area of expertise in the questions he is attacking is the formation and the evolution of the universe. He talks about black holes, astronomy, he's also interested in creating a virtual universe with some of the largest computers and simulating the process of the universe and in this conversation we talked about parallel universes, the multiverse theory, the origin of the universe, is time travel possible, many interesting stuff as always we go all over the place. I know you're going to love this podcast, it's a cracker, there's many podcasts coming up in the future as well, I cannot wait to share them all with you so enjoy this conversation with Richard Bauer yeah so so first off i really wanted to sort of bring forward yeah the the new information that's come forward on the black hole the new image that was found and what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I find it an amazing image so we've sort of had theoretical models that tell us black holes exist so in his theory of uh, general relativity Einstein wrote down a new way of describing gravity as matter bending space-time and at the time, this was a revolutionary theory and everybody thought it was quite crazy, but maybe it had some merits. And people then measured the bending of light as it passed the sun and realized, no, this was really true. This was really happening. But one of the amazing uh predictions hidden in einstein's theory is the existence of black holes mm-hmm. which are regions where the gravity is so intense that not even light can escape gravity's influence so anything that falls into a black hole disappears essentially forever and so they're very exciting theoretical uh, ideas yeah. but do they really exist? And so, it's been amazing to see a picture of a black hole. That's
2: what I was going to actually ask you. Do you have any theories of what would happen if, see if someone did even see if someone did go into a black
1: hole? Do you have any theories about that? Well, so so this is really exciting area for research. And uh, first of all, it's they're going to get crushed to death by the enormous tidal forces so don't go and try it at home if you find a black hole hiding (laughs) under the sofa uh, leave it uh, leave it where it is and give me a ring because i'd really like to discover one (laughs) but um they so there's an engineering problem of with withstanding the forces but maybe and there's a lot of disagreement between experts, they could provide a way to travel into a parallel universe or to, yeah. you have to travel in time and there are all sorts of difficulties in making that happen but it's such an exciting possibility that it warrants further thought and further investigation and getting to know more about black holes yeah, gets us closer to maybe achieving that kind of aim.
2: What do, what do you think is a breakthrough for, in terms of science with this new image that's being
0: found with the black uh, so, hole?
1: So, so in terms of science, being able to, to really see that black holes look like their theoretical predictions I think is quite amazing. So in the movie Interstellar, yeah. Kip Thorne, one of the uh, original scientists that worked on black holes, spent a long time trying to predict what a black hole would really look like if you were able to see one. And it's so amazing how the image that was taken looks very very like the images that he made for the movie Um, so so that is a really amazing achievement but in terms of numbers and quantification one of the theories we can test with this is whether black holes spin so an amazing prediction that uh, came some years after Einstein's discovery was that you can have a type of black hole in which space-time is swirling around the black hole. And that is something you can try to measure with these images, and it's really very exciting. To, to be able to to measure these things for the first time ever and get such a close-up view of Black Hole. is quite incredible.
2: Yeah. And I know you said they're both interstellar, and I wanted to highlight that because that was a film, in my opinion, that really sort of it put across to the media the wonders of space mm-hmm. and things like that. Did mm-hmm. you Did you feel that that film did, did a good job of doing that? Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah. And the, the wonders of traveling through space. And I think it's certainly... You know, what has always fascinated me is to look out at the night sky and see all the stars and think, wow, I wonder what it's like in other parts of the universe. And at the moment, we can't travel there, but we can still measure the light coming from those stars and learn more about them in that way and learn about the wonders of the universe in this way and by trying to construct theoretical models to interpret the light we receive we get to a much better and better feeling for what it's like in the rest of the universe yeah, but it would be so amazing to be able to actually go there yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're somewhere in the being future able <laughs> to do it yes who knows <laughs> how fast it's one of these things that suddenly technology is that seem impossible can become possible when some smart young person has a, a brilliant new idea. Yeah, and that's that all every, it takes really, doesn't it? Exactly. That Very often you find that people are sort of become set in their ways of thinking about things and it takes a new young person to come along and go, oh, but what if you think yeah. about it like this? And of course, if I knew what to do, I'd do it. But uh, that's the excitement of yeah, doing definitely. research.
2: I mean, you, you were talking about in Stellar before about how like, it really hit home with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Do you, In general, do you see... I know that film definitely highlighted it, but in general, with this image that's come up in general, when you're so, sort of immersed in this work in the world of the universe, do, are you now finding that more people are are more sort of excited by this work and more people are wanting to engage
1: in the topic. Yeah, I I certainly meet a lot of people that are very excited and want to engage and want to know more about the universe and about black holes and how it's made and created. And this is absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't know whether that's an increasing thing. I've certainly... I've always been excited, but... um, and I've known other people that are excited as well. I guess one thing that's really good now is that you don't need to find a book in the library to learn about these things, mm. right? That you can just go online and you can find it explained at all sorts of different levels. and More digestible m- as well. Much more digestible yeah. in 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 shorter bits that you can read and assemble in your thoughts. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. It's like I was seeing More you be, and more people. It's like I was involved. seeing it
2: yeah, definitely. It's like I was seeing you before before that all the cameras went off and stuff about how um more people being more aware of this stuff and you think that you were seeing about how this this has could have been always there. People's always had yeah. this excitement for it. Yeah. And I was seeing before about how that philosopher was speaking about how the internet has shown that a lot more people in society are a lot more intelligent, mm-hmm. a more, lot more people are willing yeah, yeah. to engage in these topics yeah. than first
1: thought. Exactly, exactly. No, I think the internet is, has been fantastic for things like this, you know, that you can now go and learn about all sorts of things yeah. without having to have a, an official book or study in a university. You can just go and find out about things yes. for yourself because the internet can also be dangerous because you've got to try and work out which information yes. to believe and <laughs> which is not plausible but i guess that's always been the case
2: mm, yeah. yeah i know that you've been doing a, a lot of work on trying to sort of understand how the uni- universe evolved and things mm-hmm. like that i know this is a big question and it's, and it's probably going to be really hard to sort of put in there sort of these little bite-sized sort of conversations. But do you have any theories around how the universe did originate?
1: Well, so what we can now show really quite well is how the universe evolves from the Big Bang. So there's a big creation of the universe. All the matter is flying apart incredibly quickly. And we can follow how the matter slows down, aggregates into galaxies, forms stars. And we can make computer simulations that look incredibly like the world we live in. Now, but then you're going to ask, well, how did the Big Bang start? Yeah. Right Now, that then gets a much harder question. So people have ideas that it's... Uh, that the universe starts as kind of a quantum foam of space-time and that there's an instability in this that makes some essentially bubbles in the space-time of the early universe blow up and inflate and become big macroscopic universes like the one we live in. And and that's great, but in physics you learn that brilliant ideas are not enough. You have to also find some evidence for this. And we're still searching to try and see, is this a plausible idea? How could we find any evidence for it? Or is it always going to be something that's a little beyond science because you can't right. test the idea? So one thing we can do with our computer simulations is to go and say, well, what if there were another universe like this? Would people be around in that universe to observe it? and to then begin to try and ask how typical our universe is of all the possible universes how, how typical do you actually think do you think it is well i was hoping when we did that yeah. research that i could say ah see our universe is really typical and so it makes it, it would lend support turns out our universe is really odd yeah, yeah. and there are many universes that people that would form stars and the stars would have planets And presumably on the planets, there'd be life forms that are observing the universe and wondering where it comes from. But those universes would look very different to our own. So this didn't produce a nice straightforward answer that I can condense. How how would they look different? Well, so, so one of the big mysteries about our universe is that it contains normal matter like you and me and what we call dark matter which is a matter that you, we know is there from its force of gravity but it doesn't emit any light now to many cosmologists that's not actually that puzzling there are many sort types of matter that might be this material but what everyone is very puzzled about is what's called dark energy which is a mysterious kind of energy that makes the universe expand. And our universe is very odd in that this dark energy, um, recently there was a Nobel Prize for its discovery, but we live at a very special time when the amount of dark energy in the universe is small, but not so small that you can't detect its presence. All right? and it's very odd so when we did this experiment we found there were many universes which would have people uh, building telescopes and so on in which dark energy was very large and at the same time there all the theoretical models suggest it should be very large so we were very puzzled well why do we live in a universe where it's small But it's not so small we can't measure it and begin to worry about it. So it's one of these things where you do a piece of research and you're kind of hoping, ah, we'll find the answer to this. (laughs) And I know what the answer is going to be. But as you do the research, you find it uncovers many more questions than than you started out trying to answer. So it's been fascinating uh, use of our work but I'm still trying to make sense of it and come up with a clever idea yeah. to do next. So it's that. really interesting.
2: Yeah, I love that, by the way. Is, is it, I was actually going to ask you, is it true as well that the most powerful um, telescope that we've got actually only sort of sees a, a fraction of the cosmos as well?
1: Well, so, so the, we have very powerful telescopes and they can look, peer back to um, almost the beginning of time almost to the Big Bang. So so that's really amazing. But the problem is they only see one tiny spot of the universe at each moment. And what we're trying to build now are telescopes which can survey the whole universe looking to you know to be able to discover all the things that are so far unseen and need a telescope that can see more of the universe in a single uh, view so it's very exciting this is possible and we uh, you know astronomy is partly about doing the science and measuring discoveries and it's partly about pushing technologies of how you can build huge pieces of equipment that you can control with unimaginable precision and so the engineering that this is pushing and the, the capabilities is quite incredible and we'll have lots of knock-on effects into the precision of other machines that can be built
2: in terms of the the size of the universe do you have you do you have any theories about actually how big it is i know because a lot of people throw different theories out there but many people lately have been seeing how the the universe could be even infinite
1: yeah so um so we there's the 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 speed of light is a finite number this was one of about Einstein's fundamental discoveries, and so when you look at a distant object with a telescope, you're also looking back in time. So it's really quite cool. It means telescopes are also time machines in a sense. Yes. Um, but this means that at certain point you look back and back and back in time until you see the beginning of the universe. You see some of the first objects that are formed. But that doesn't really tell you how big the universe is in total. So there are many ideas. There's no reason the universe couldn't be infinite and we just see a little piece. But... The fascinating question is whether the laws of physics are the same throughout the infinite well, universe and how could we investigate that? Well, again, it needs a good idea to, to figure out how to be able to do that. Do you think that's why maybe
2: when you said maybe, maybe that... the 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 things that we the the how did you put it across again put it across again sorry just so i don't
1: don't make a mistake you said the laws of physics how whether the laws of physics would be the same throughout the universe okay which and so the laws of physics we really mean that there are things like big g which is newton's gravitational constant and everywhere we measure seems like that's a constant number but is it really constant throughout the universe or would it vary from place to place? And that might be, you know, I don't necessarily mean it's a little bit stronger, or a little bit weaker. It might be that the four forces of nature the have mo- different strengths in some parts of the universe and everything is really quite different. Um, and it's a very exciting thing to do to try and, you know, think, well... What would happen to the universe if quantum mechanics happened on bigger scales? How would the universe be different and be changed? And we're approaching the point at which we can do calculations that explore this and are at least plausible in the answers we reach.
2: That's really powerful, by the way, that. Uh,
1: So it's very, very exciting, very... You know we could think ourselves into other parts of the universe um, of course my uh, colleagues would say but unless you can test this unless you can somehow receive a signal from these other parts of the universe it's fiction and you have to come up with a way to do that well who knows what we'll invent in the future and we started talking about black holes and there potential to travel into other places so maybe these things are possible and we can just hope that we can discover how to make that happen makes science very exciting
2: yeah definitely and when you were saying before about how the the potential that the universe could be infinite do you could that could that be could that actually innate the 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 theory of the big bang well
1: it's uh, the The puzzle, really, with the Big Bang theory... So there are things we know about the Big Bang that are certainly going to still be true, that that there was an initial rapid expansion of the universe, that it was initially very hot, and then as it expanded, it cooled down. And we can do the calculations and show as it cools down, it will form all the particles we see... Mm. And how, as it cools down further, gravity will accumulate the matter together. So, that bit is still going to be correct. But if you start then to ask, well, what happened before the Big Bang, yeah. you know, and are we seeing one little bubble in an infinite universe? Well, that may very well be true. And I think a lot of people would maybe pick that as their favorite model of the universe
2: why do you think it's I mean you're talking about the 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 mass of the universe and things that and the the theory of that could be much larger than we think why why is it that why is that the case why is it that the even though we can't really observe it why is the why do we still believe that the known universe is much well
1: exactly so so I guess it's philosophy right so so we're treading on the realms at the edge of science so as a, a a proper scientist i should say well i don't know and so anything is possible but um there's been a guiding principle that we're not special Uh, you know that served us well in the whole history of science to believe that no it's not that the solar system rotates around the earth but the earth is just one of the planets Mm. and so applying that line of argument scientists generally much more comfortable with the idea that we're just one of many universes is it really infinite or just some exceedingly large number i have no way to tell but but like i said really until we could test this idea in some scientific way it's a matter of personal philosophy if you like
2: how many um actually earth-like planets do you think are out there in the universe
1: now that is a calculation i keep meaning to do but a lot and I think the, the interesting comparison is if you go to the the beach at Tynemouth, are there more planets in the universe than grains of sand on the beach? Well, Maybe not, but about the same number, I think. So there will be potentially a lot of planets in the universe. And... Um, an uh, an interesting corollary of that is, you know, how many planets like the Earth that have a stable climate that maybe could foster life forms that they're stable enough over long periods of time, and uh, it, at the moment we see no reason why it's not a large fraction of them. Would satisfy though that criteria um, So it's a very exciting Moment now to you know Go on a hunt to find Earth like planets Of course many of them will be So far away That you could not never uh, Conceive of being able To visit them in person But Just knowing they're there would be terribly Exciting, yeah, really definitely. exciting result To be able to demonstrate that
2: and like we've seen before who knows in
1: the future what's going to happen. Well, and exactly. And uh, you know, if I could uh, perfect the the faster than light spaceship, yeah. <laughs> then we could get there no trouble.
2: Do you, do, so, you foresee, do you foresee in the future any sort of breakthroughs in terms of in terms of that research coming forward?
1: Um, uh, so I can certainly one of the projects we're involved in in Durham is the construction of very large telescope. And one of the things that you can do with that telescope, well, well, one of them is to peer into the very first galaxies that have formed the very first black holes, map out the, the early history of the universe. But another one is to search for planets around other stars, but not just to find them, but to be able to measure the content of their atmosphere. So you'd wait for a, a planet to go in front of a star and you'd kind of use the 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 screen of the planet to, to diagnose the atmosphere of the planet. It's a very, very hard experiment, but I'm sure people will get ingenious about being able yeah. to do that and make that discovery and that would be quite amazing. How did you how did you view I don't know if you heard about this, but it was the the
2: guy from Harvard, uh Ev, E-V-, E-V- Lohab or something, yep. is it called, yeah. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce his name, it might be wrong, but he was the guy who he wrote that up publication about how the, the, the star that was flickering by using telescopes. He was had a he had he put lots of many theories around it, but one of the theories is that it was sort of, sort of like an interstellar, some sort of interstellar civilization. Yeah, the, the, the star was flashing,
1: yes. So, so one possibility is advanced civilization build what's called Dyson spheres to try and harvest all the light from the star and make it more intense and of course if they were doing that we might see the star poking through the cracks in the the shield that's been built around it Um, so these are always very exciting possibilities um, but we also know that astronomical sources like stars can have inbuilt instabilities that make them vary in brightness in various ways. And so it's always going to be very hard to be convincing that that's really what's going on. Um, so it's an exciting experiment to see what yeah. happens if, next if
2: but. if see if say see if somebody was trying to sort of measure that in look, looking in terms of like a telescope through the universe in the seeing the same scenario what yeah. of of that what would have you ever sort of thought about what would be the characteristics what of of other an advanced civilization yeah. what would what would what research would come back what data would come
1: back yeah so so people um You know, would we, one of the interesting aspects to that question is would we ever deliberately broadcast a signal into outer space saying, look, we're here, Earth is welcoming, please come and visit? And I'm not sure we ever would, right? I mean, we would want to be the people making contact and trying to find out who else was out there. Did did they not originally do
2: it in other ways or with terms of sound? I think it was...
1: The people have done similar things, but nothing at a level that could be detected. I think that was Carl Carl Sagan Carl Sagan and and the um, Pioneer spacecraft carry plates on them describing mankind and how to communicate with us Um, but they're not actually going very far into the universe uh, on human time scales Um, I think the more realistic prospect is all the kind of radio emission we create by listening to TV and broadcasting TV around the globe and Maybe we might expect to detect that emission from uh, another planet. Now, we are quite surprisingly quiet in the amount of TV emissions, so so currently the telescopes we have on Earth wouldn't be able to detect that around planets that are uh, around many. And the planets that would be detectable would wouldn't and are very few and far between, but next generation of radio telescopes this would suddenly become a very plausible way to search the universe for for other civilizations. Um the challenge would become that you wouldn't know which radio station to to tune to, so you'd have to figure out ah that's what this apparently scrambled messed up noise yeah. is suddenly I can begin to decode it
2: is is it not a um i'm sure i watched a documentary about this it might have been on vice or something like that, but it was a a Chinese company who was building the the, the massive large. I don't yeah. what, the, what the so, the so there
1: are various experiments to build very large radio telescopes. Yeah, yeah. Some, one is in China, there are ones in Australia, in, in South Africa. And these telescopes will be much more powerful than the radio telescopes we currently have and able to detect signals from much further away and to scan the sky much more efficiently um, and one of the major limitations turns out to be the computing power to process the signal to make that's I was just going to see it as well
2: because the I think I heard somewhere as well that the, the sort of the the direction that it needs to point as well would be so slow by the time it scanned the whole of the universe as well
1: yeah so so uh, these telescopes are getting better and you can use them in different modes but you sort of have to trade off how accurately how small a patch do i want to look at at a time versus how fast you can cover the whole sky so there's a trade off and people propose building the telescopes in different ways which are optimized for different things and um we will have to see who chooses the best way to configure their telescope to, to make discoveries. And I'm sure everybody in reality will make different discoveries of different things. Yeah, definitely. What's your thought on the, the multiverse theory? So so the multiverse comes back to this idea that the universe originated before the Big Bang in a, in a space-time foam. And so the one of the bubbles is our universe but it's very plausible there are other bubbles out there which would be other universes now that's what the multiverse theory means to me but to other people working on quantum mechanics and trying to understand the strange theory of quantum mechanics have an idea that every time there's a random event in the universe it's not that the universe has the random event. You know, there was a famous film, Sliding Doors, where... I've never seen uh, that film, there, actually. It's actually... I, I like it as yeah. a film. And the idea is that the girl that's at the centre of the movie is rushing for her tube, having been fired from work. And in one version of the movie, she just gets her finger between the door and the train driver has to open it and she gets on the tube... And in the other version of the story, she just doesn't quite get her finger in the the gap. And so the stories unfold in completely different directions. And it explores this idea that really all these universes exist at once, kind of in parallel. And... Maybe the differences are not actually so different between these different meanings of multiverse that perhaps we could understand all the possibilities of universe that exist in the future Are also equivalent to all the possibilities of the universe that existed in the space-time foam in the first place. It's a mind-blowing idea that I don't think anyone can grapple with at the moment. Do you
2: think that could be a possibility of what we're in now? It could be. Oh, definitely.
1: So, so you know, I if you if I had to bet on the nature of the universe, uh, you know, every second. The universe is taking a slightly different course and and splitting. And all those possible universes are going forward into the future. And I exist in all of them. But the problem is, can I ever talk to my parallel self in another universe? Probably not.
2: It is a really mind-boggling thing that there's actually sort of infinite... Our, infinite of ourselves and different realities all exactly. sort of coinciding but maybe just different little different variables all going on at the same yeah. time exactly. like you described the the woman who got a finger in the door maybe that in another parallel reality that woman didn't get a finger in the door maybe the dinosaurs are, are still didn't get wiped out exactly well maybe
1: there was some dinosaurs and sheltering in a cave which escaped the blast wave And all these possibilities that, you know, can imagine all the endless possibilities. So a lot of scientists don't like the infinite number of possibilities and just sort of philosophically go, I don't believe that. But maybe that is the real way we can understand the quantum experiments we can do is, is by... Seeing this bifurcation of the possibilities of the universe,
2: yeah, definitely. What's your thoughts on um, intelligent life in the universe?
1: So, so this is a really interesting question. So, we were saying that there are uh, many, many planets in the universe, uncountable numbers, but um, many of them are too far away for ever unless we can travel faster than the speed of light to be able to communicate with them but there are still would be a lot of planets in our solar neighborhood in our galaxy and you you wonder well why haven't we been contacted by intelligent life forms and there are really three ways out one is that you know there's some conspiracy that all the other alien civilizations that are far more advanced than us deliberately don't contact us because there's a no-fly zone for your flying saucers around the earth but if this was a a human organized thing somebody would eventually decide to fly their spying saucer around the earth and forget to turn the cloaking device on yeah. so uh, maybe that's not 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 the answer. Maybe it's that uh, you know we're just one of the first advanced civilizations, and maybe it's harder to um, uh, develop a, you know an intelligent civilization uh, than than we currently think. But at the moment, we don't see that in the scientific. Evidence. And the, maybe the most frightening possibility is that you could explain what we see if civilizations emerged, became intelligent, developed enormously powerful weapons, and then destroyed themselves. And so the chilling possibility is that we are alone in the universe because no other intelligent civilization has got over how to control the incredible weaponry it can be creating? I find that quite a very plausible explanation. Yeah, I do as
2: well, because you can see that within our society now, with things that's going on, of how that could manifest.
1: Yeah, so so it seems to me very chilling if that really is what happens and why civilizations are so rare. So I'm hoping it's really the first one, that they're out there and they're just... So organized that that they don't let on,
2: yeah, I was going to actually say the the first one I've thought about that what you said, and uh, just a little bit of a different spin on that, as I was thinking, because if you we look at us ourselves now when we go and sort of study some of the last remaining tribes on the planet yeah. and stuff like that, there's actually treaties to stop people from going in there yeah. and, and sort of because obviously we can we can uh, sort of enhance their evolution, which is not really not really a good mm-hmm. thing. So there could be some sort of universal treaty where they kind of
1: yeah no so so maybe that is what happens. Yeah. I am just surprised that nobody breaks it and you know some playboy doesn't set off in their super fast jet and uh but we we'll see. So um, it's a fun thing to uh, to, to wonder about. And who knows what will happen in the future? You know, maybe it's we need to achieve world peace, and suddenly they'll go, Well, congratulations, yeah. you've shown you're a mature civilization now. Welcome to the new era or something. We don't know.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's a question as well. I mean, you don't, would you, I mean, you know, our human tendencies. Mm-hmm. If you were an alien race, would you really want to know, <laughs> and want to know our capabilities of things that we've done yeah, in the past, exactly. like the atom bomb and things like that? I mean, would we? Are we a threat to them? Or are we actually even a threat to the to the to other planets exactly. in the cosmos?
1: Exactly. So, so maybe in. this is uh, uh, their worry and why we've been put in quarantine quite so effectively. But we just don't know. So, so it's an exciting possibility to think about. But really, we need some scientific evidence. And we're gaining that, you know, we're, we're learning how many planets and maybe we begin to find planets which you can show or the evidence suggests have life forms on, then you've got the next little step and it's all very exciting and yeah. very rapid progress that's being made in these technological ways. Yeah,
2: definitely. I know as well, when I was doing a bit of research on your prior to this podcast, I read one of the, the publications that you wrote where you were speaking about sort of the, the time machine. Mm-hmm. But I know you weren't speaking about a time machine in terms of like like sort of the, the way the movie's it. Yeah. I think you were speaking in terms of... I'll, I'll let you describe what you mean by it anyway.
1: Well, so, so, so one of the exciting possibilities, that was a really interesting uh, article I was invited to, to write. Yeah, it was a great, read. Um, and the... I began it thinking, ah, well, you know, I'm going to talk about time machines in the movies and how these are all impossible and it doesn't work. And the more research I did, the more and more I discovered, oh, no, people have serious uh, mathematical models of how time machines might work and how you might invent them. And that it's really quite a very... Uh, serious area of study now so and we kind of know the limitations of what's required whether we could ever physically solve those limitations is, is still an open question so nobody you know even if uh, someone offered me a billion pound budget i couldn't necessarily build i'd have a very good go yeah. but i couldn't necessarily I build, a, uh, build well. a time machine uh, <laughs> from that and um but we kind of know how it would work how you would create a mini black hole how you would have to then find a way to make it stable, which is maybe one of the hardest parts of the problem. And one of the things you discover is that you can't sort of sit here on this desk and hope that this might be the moment that somebody sends us a time machine and it just appears on the desk and we don't have to invent one, we just need to give them a thank you note when we get back to the future. Um, so physically, that's actually impossible. So although you can build a time machine, you can't go back in time before the moment that you invented it. So it's really fascinating, you know, how much we know about this thing that you'd think would be pure fiction. Um, whether we could ever engineer such a thing was certainly a very long Way from being able to do it, um, but well, it doesn't seem completely out of the question.
2: What I liked what you wrote in that article as well is, is where you sort of you sort of broke all that down as well. But you also said as well that currently we sort of do have a time machine in a way because mm-hmm. we can sort of like an observable time machine because we can look at certain uh, planets and stars and predict certain things and look back in history.
1: Yeah so one of the amazing things in astronomy is as you look at stars that are further and further away you're looking back in time so you really do have a time machine that works in that sense that I can see the past of the universe in a very very real sense and we just Build bigger telescopes, and we see further into the past of the universe. So that's a, a kind of time machine. Um, it's not as exciting as the one you could build with the black hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. It, yeah, definitely. It's, it's for me though, it's still. I mean, it's still fascinating because when I read it, because I know I've read a few books on uh, ancient history. Yeah. And it's. I know there's a lot of um, sort of theories around what they were actually doing with the pyramids and structures mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. But it's it's very similar to me what, what you're doing now yeah, yeah. Like predicting certain patterns and yeah. patterns within the cosmos and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So so it's very much that we're able to predict how those patterns emerge and evolve. And and that's very exciting to be able to do that. And kind of to be able to test those ideas by directly looking back in time and seeing the beginning of the universe and be able to measure what's happening So, so yes so it's really exciting
2: i don't know if you've really looked into the ancient cultures or anything like that i know it's a bit out out, sort of your topic and things like that but have you ever sort of with with your understanding Mm -hmm. of observing the stars and things like that have you actually sort of had a look at what they were doing and Mm -hmm. and questioned how well it's a
1: very good question so one of the things i'd like to do I always have more projects than I can really do is I find um, what the ancient cultures had really quite incredible and we've lost a lot of that history because it wasn't written in books so we're lucky with the ancient Egyptian pyramids that a lot of that has been recorded in writing now in the northeast we have a lot of Uh, cup and ring marked rocks, which uh, at the moment nobody knows what they mean. They're they're rocks, often in very bad repair, that are incredibly ancient, thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years old in some cases. And they presumably tell a story, but nobody knows what that story is. And one of the things I'd like to do is to wonder if they are star charts, that in some way they tell the story of the stars. And what encourages me in that is if you look at Aboriginal cultures in Australia, people are able to study those. And a lot of the work that the Aboriginals produce is sort of quite similar in some ways to the way the cup and ring mark rocks might have appeared. So there's a very interesting line to discover more and see if we can understand more about the ancient cultures that were local to here. It'd be really fascinating to do that.
2: Yeah, it really is incredible. What do you, how, how do you foresee the future playing out in terms of, because obviously technology it keeps getting better and better all mm-hmm. the time. What do you foresee in terms, in your field in terms of like creating these sort of simulations of the yeah. universe what do you think we'll actually be able to do in the future? Because well, even virtual reality and stuff like that is... Yeah, no, so one of real. the
1: things we're working on sort of near term is to be able to fly through and explore the universe so that you can almost mm-hmm. get in a, a, a spacecraft simulator, a bit like a race car simulator, and then actually pilot your spacecraft through the universe. And it would have, you know, it would help you understand the universe much, much better. You, know, you could see a galaxy with your telescope in the real world and then find one that looked the same in the simulation and then go and visit it and explore its past history using the time travel button in your simulated spacecraft. And we're remarkably close to being able to do that. computing power is increasing maybe not as fast as it was in the past but um, we're understanding better how to develop clever algorithms that can deal with the data and allow you to move through the universe in this way so in the relatively short term I think we can do that but I think we're also getting better at doing calculations that are more and more detailed so that we can follow uh, in our calculations at the moment we follow clusters of stars is the best we can do but we can follow the structures of individual galaxies in even more detail and we've just written you know, a proposal for the next generation of science which uh, would put those into practice and would be, one of the things about astronomy is the, the knowledge you gain is very exciting but it's also really driving a real world development, enhancement of the computing power and uh, the algorithms we develop have lots of applications in real-world problems in engineering, for example, and so on. So it has very uh, real applications for the technologies that we need to go in the next step yeah. in exploring the universe.
2: When you were saying before about this is a, a bit sort of out there, but that's the sort of things I do in this podcast, yeah. put things out there a bit. But when you explained before about the possibility of how virtual reality will affect sort of Mm simile in the universe, there's a a technology-based company in, uh, is it Austin, Texas, in America? Somewhere, anyway, in America. And basically what they're doing is is doing something very similar. What you said, Mm -hmm. there's going to be simile in the universe. But what they're going to do is, have you ever heard of a float tank? So it's called a sensory oh, yeah, deprivation yeah, yeah, tank. Yeah, no. So where you line oh, a yeah line, so they're going to do uh, some sort of simulation with that. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a case of a virtual reality headset or yeah. it's going to be some sort. Well, of... Well,
1: it would be even better if you didn't need the headset, right? At the the moment one of the limitations to the technology is that you, with the headset, you perceive things changing around you, and you can look around, and it develop, and it 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 really is like you're there but if you start to move yeah. you, the bit the inner ear that senses your true motion gets very confused because your eyes are telling you you're moving but your your body is telling you you're not you're stationary you're not traveling through the universe now but you could imagine developing ways that let you have an even more real, you know, incredible experience almost an out of body experience yeah, yeah. that you can imagine that would be quite incredible.
2: But I think, the scientists now working in a guy called I think he's called Anal Seth, I think he's called he works at um Sussex University, I think mm. it is. He's a neuroscientist and he's trying to bring them two things together he's yeah. trying to bring together the sort of the, the mind relationship with the body and how yeah. how virtual reality actually can yeah. how we can make it better so we can affect the yeah, body yeah
1: yeah it would be and incredible and that's fascinating to, to see to how, how that will play out yeah yeah no it's all sorts of exciting things happening and the future is really really exciting with all these new things that are going on
2: in terms of in terms of the asking the biggest questions about the universe and sort of space and things like that is there any questions that you're asking yourself in regards to that,
1: um, so I'm like. What's uh, the
2: biggest question, sort of, in your mind at the minute? At
1: the at the moment, the biggest question I have is: we know about black holes, and we see lots of properties of the universe. And so far, we talked about black holes as exotic mathematical yeah. objects. But I have a theory that black holes actually shape a lot of what happens in the universe and the future of the universe. Now, we see that in some of our calculations, but I would like to understand that much better. How to more accurately calculate the effect of the black hole on everything around it And then to be able to say, well, look, this calculation really is correct because it agrees with all these things you can measure in the universe. And so to be able to more clearly and convincingly show the importance of black holes in shaping the history of the universe.
2: Have you had any theories of what it could be shaping?
1: Well, so so, um, we can see, uh, so my current theory is the way it, it suppresses the formation of stars in the future of the universe. The, the the effect of the black holes is to heat up everything around them. And stars need very dense cold gas to form. And so the black holes effectively shut down the universe producing new stars. And eventually the universe... The, There are no new stars that are created and the universe eventually fades to complete blackness it'd be nice to test that idea yeah. in a much better way. So currently the models that predict that are very simple and we know things are really a bit more complicated, but to be able to put that all together would be really amazing. So yeah. that's my uh, forefront thought at the no, moment.
2: It, I love that, by the way. I've never really thought about that in the sense of the black hole having that sort of impact because it was a, I was having a discussion with a, a guy a while ago and he was talking about the terms of evolution and how in terms of on this planet now we have like Darwin's theory of evolution mm-hmm. where everything came from sort of one single organism yeah. and created life on the planet but I can't remember who it was now it was a, it was another scientist but he, he proposed to me a theory that what if it was actually in terms of uh, cosmic evolution yeah. where something some force in the universe was creating mm-hmm. and not, not just dismissing Darwin's theory because it actually went into yeah, Darwin's yeah. theory as well yeah, yeah. but just before that there was a process where some sort of some sort of thing in the universe happened that that sparked that?
1: Yeah, well, it's very plausible. Um, it, or it, it's not at all obvious to me. And you know? maybe I'm... Um, Getting a little bit out of my expertise yeah. at the moment the 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 first origins of life may be come from space rather than from the earth yeah so so it's very plausible that some of the interstellar clouds, the cold, dense material that's about to form stars could be the sites at which you could assemble fairly complicated molecules so not necessarily life as we know it with bacteria or even viruses but some of the first uh, complex chemicals which you could begin to think is it alive in some sense could be created in in space and then seed planets that are suitable for them for the organisms that are more and more complex to grow and that that's a an old idea and i don't see any categorical reason for that to be wrong yeah. right and you know maybe when we discover these other planets we discover actually they're full of Human-like people with bald heads. And, uh, <laughs> bald heads, <laughs> you know, and 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 the life forms throughout the universe, or at least throughout our galaxy, are amazingly similar. Maybe a strange outcome that the science fiction books never appreciated. Yeah, right?
2: yeah, definitely. What what is a question I would love to ask you? Actually, is what is sort of. I mean, I know you've been doing this work for a long time now, and you've had a, a big fascination about the universe and the solar mm-hmm. system, things like that. But th- what has that done for your own for your own life?
1: Um, well, it's so it's been I've been really fascinated. I got into doing astronomy because I looked up at the stars and thought, well, where do they come from? And so it's really amazing to be able to follow that through in my career to actually make a difference to the way we understand the universe, to develop new ideas about the role of black holes and how galaxies form. And so it's been tremendously satisfying, hugely satisfying. I'm so lucky to have this job and to be able to follow that through. But it's also been really amazing to be in a position where I can inspire other people to do science, to ask questions about the universe, to try and just appreciate where we are—you know, mindfulness in a cosmic yeah. sense—and and that is just uh, a really amazing thing I've been able to do.
2: I think we, I think we do all have that wonder, really. As well, mm-hmm. we do have it all. It's just it's just try how would we cultivate that as a society, exactly. that's the, that's the big exactly
1: question. and and to to be allowed to just wonder about things and to wonder what's there and to just be able to to, to think about things that are beyond our everyday experience and sort of characterizes humanity right That presumably we are where we are because uh, at some point in the distant past People started rubbing sticks together to see what would happen yeah. instead of doing the sensible thing and going out and going hunting or looking for some more seeds to pick up. Yeah. And suddenly, oh, it made a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but it must be, it must be a, you know, an innate thing in humans, all humans, to wonder about things and to try and just think about them and, and puzzle them out.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's I always question that all the time. Where does that sort of that near thing yeah. come from? Because even when I'm just in you know, a nighttime, there'll be times where I'm just before I go to bed at night night, and I'll be lying in my bed and I'll just be questioning, sort of just visualizing the universe yeah. itself and how magnificent and wo- wonderful it is. It's incredible. Yeah. Have you ever seen them pictures? Of, this is what I actually want to ask you. Have you seen them pictures of the, somebody what they did is they put the put together. It was the the internal aspect of the human biology. Mm-hmm. And they put it with the human nebula, which is yeah. the, the eye, and then they put it with the, the Internet, yeah. and the, web, the web, all them webs of the image just look identical. Yeah, to you, yeah, you no. see that image? I,
1: I always worry a little bit with those that, uh, that you can change the way it looks by being clever about how yeah. you take the make the images, right. But there's always there's inevitably a certain similarity, these complex interconnections. And certain patterns emerge and it's really fascinating um, how much of that is our human perception of patterns in things. It's presumably how we escape from tigers in the jungle uh, versus real patterns that we can use knowing about the internet to predict more about the structure of human cells. And that is maybe the the ultimate test of how real yeah, these good. similarities are. But I love the imagery. I think it's really yeah, fantastic.
2: Because I've seen as well on your, when I was looking at some of your publications you did, it was one of the... I think it was one of the pictures that you got from your simulation model. Mm-hmm. I think it was, and it was like the blue, purpley yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff yeah. Like that and that, just rem- that image reminded me. what, no, was, that? what exactly. was that image of actually?
1: So, so that's an image of the dark matter structure of the universe. So, in the show notes as well. So yeah. So, so it's um, the the distribution of matter in the universe. So you're seeing the effect of gravity is to pull dense things together so what happens in the universe is it starts off really quite uniform but there's some few regions that are slightly denser than others and so the dense regions pull on the material around them, become a bit denser, pull more and pull more but what's not apparent in my explanation is this makes an almost this cosmic web of spider-like structures that are really fascinating and have their own beauty Uh, we used to have someone here mark Nyrink, who um, was writing about the similarities between this cosmic structure and architecture and he was able to show that a lot of the rules that make the structure of the universe also people have used in the structures of buildings and mechanical structures so he was doing fascinating work on that do you you think the universe has sort of some sort of cosmic order to it so it's a very interesting question the the order and disorder of the universe so in the past i've worked with people studying medieval history and their Uh, people's interpretation of the cosmos was very much in terms of how ordered it was. And that was really one of the reasons for trying to keep the Earth at the center of the universe, was to reflect the uh, natural order of things as they perceived it. Um, And one of the things that's kind of happened is that now we're quite used to societies being much less hierarchical, you know, they're very democratic, people arise in importance and then disappear and it's all in flux and, and less structured in a sense. And it strikes me that our modern view of the universe is very similar, that there are strongly attracting parts of the universe but it's much more uh it's not centered on one particular thing it's it's this complex interplay and this complex web of stuff so it's a very interesting question about the nature of order in the universe
2: it is fascinating because when i obviously i mean when you do question your own life and even just like, I know obviously you're looking more on a scientific level of the universe, <laughs> but even just when you question certain things that happen in your day-to-day life yep. and how that can... and you, every, I think everyone in the day to life does question, does the, does the universe have some sort of order for
1: me? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, I, I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. <laughs> it is, it is the problem. But, but yes, it's a very interesting question. What does it mean about the order of the universe? And you can very meaningfully ask the question of you know is the universe programmed to produce life and yeah. people that are there to observe it and interpret it is there some kind of bigger is it, meaning to when, it when
2: you're that? doing your um sort of your research and things like that you in terms of looking at order in the universe on a sort of a practical level in terms of research and data are you seeing any things that that suggests that it has an order to it?
1: Well, so, so yes, but probably not in the way you're, you're meaning in the question. Right. So we see very definite orders emerge. And although the mathematical spidery web, the, the, the spidery web pattern looks random, it's actually highly ordered. And that's one of the discoveries and we can make predictions about its structure because it is very highly ordered in a weird democratic sense. Um, so, So we do see an order to the universe in that sense in terms of a structure to the universe that we can't understand. We don't yet see anything that doesn't make sense in that way. Right, so so yes, the universe is ordered, but it kind of it seems to be ordered that it's programmed to have at the very beginning, in a sense. Well, so I think <laughs> that poses a good place to wrap it. Up, really, <laughs> some powerful stuff there for people to really
2: wrap their heads. Well, I, I hope people
1: enjoy. Thank you, uh, yeah, it was a really this. cool
2: podcast. Thank you so much, yeah. left hand. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Cheers. Right, thanks for listening to the podcast. People really loved sitting down and chatting to Richard there about. The wonders of the universe. The wonders of the universe really is a powerful topic and it always is exciting in the mind when you start exploring all these different concepts about black holes, multi verses, parallel universes and everything else. It really is incredible. I just want to say as well, if you want to support the podcast, it really would mean the world as this is a one-man band. It's a home-crafted podcast. I don't have a team of 5 or 6 people like all of a podcast do. I'm completely solely by myself editing, recording podcasts, traveling all over the place. Yes, I love doing it, but it would really make it a lot more easier if you could help us out by donating. Donating or supporting through the Patreon page. And like I mentioned in the podcast intro, the new feature now when you become a patron, it allows you to add a private URL to your pod any to all the different podcast apps that you all use. And it's so easy, you just have to do it once. And once you add the URL by simply clicking the add button on your app that you use in the right hand corner of your app. Every single week, every time I do a bonus through the Patreon group, it will automatically add on to your URL in your podcast app. And you'll be able to listen to all the podcasts just like you do on any of these, just like you listen to this right now. So that's really cool and gives an extra element to the podcast. So please check that out. If you have any questions about how to do that, I can honestly personally help you do that and help you how to add add the URL to the page. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, all is explained on the Ascend podcast website. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this conversation. Many more great podcasts coming up in the near future. I'm really going to start amping this up and taking this to a complete null level. And just to play this, conversation out as i always do i'm going to play a song called explosion by an artist called david Beckenham. It really is a great song it touches a bit about the universe and how the mysteries of life and why we're just how we're all spinning around on this big rock so it's a beautiful song and it touches on some some of the concepts that we talk about talked about in this conversation. So to play this conversation out, I'm going to play this song called Explosion by David Beckenham. Enjoy people and I will see you next week. Peace and love. We are part
0: of an explosion. It happened to create the ocean, but it is just an odd illusion Beautiful and quickly moving, yeah the all the room in outer space I landed here beside your freckled face So we could dream about the things we'll do as all the sparks fall down In the embers they burn out We spin around and round Is there ever any doubt That we are part of an explosion We're too small to see the motion Perfect size to feel emotion Cause our own unique emotion, yeah But it's so easy to get caught in What we have, what we have not in. It's so hard to just believe it. We live too fast to watch it all go They burn out We spin round and round Is there ever any doubt? We are part of an explosion Boiling hot, completely frozen Perfect chaos, neatly woven Aren't we lucky we were chosen? Aren't we lucky we were chosen? Yeah. Are we lucky we were chosen?